OTB Rugby. It was a case of, it's going to be really difficult to beat this Gloucester team at home here, uh, but we owe it to the fans and ourselves to get a performance. It was a very emotional kind of Friday night meeting. Subscribe to the Rugby Stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball. All right, as promised, to look ahead to the final weekend of a curtailed rugby championship and what it'll mean for the Rugby World Cup, particularly delighted to say Matt Williams is on the line. Morning, Matt. Morning, Adrian. Morning, Ashley. How are you? All is good. We've uh, Australia, New Zealand tomorrow morning at the MCG and then over to Joburg for South Africa against Argentina later in the in the day. Is there What is the mood like in Australia? Trepidation or uh, maybe if things go our way here, what, you, what is the mood? Well, actually, my daughter's in um, in Melbourne. They've gone down to watch the game, and uh, I think everyone's there <clears throat> enjoying the laneways and the food and the coffee and the pubs, and uh, they have to go to the rugby and get beaten by New Zealand, and they can do it all again after that. So that's uh, it's more a more a, more a mood of re- resignation that we're going to have to have some humble pie off the Kiwis yet again, which which we've had for the last two decades. So you know, uh, it's a very different Wallaby side. They've made a lot of changes. Um, and and so it's, it, to me, that's an experimental side. Wow, you don't usually go and experiment against a, a team that has those black jerseys on. They can make you pay. So uh, it, it's it's difficult. Does he, uh, does, sure. he, does he have no option, Matt? Like I would, yeah. like you say, the proximity of the World Cup, but the evidence of what we've seen over the last few weeks and beyond is he been backed into a corner here? Yeah, I, I think so. I, 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 we'll, we'll, let, let's spin back a little bit. Putting Eddie in a year before the World Cup, if he kept the same assistant coaches, I think would have had a much greater effect. Eddie brushed up the entire staff, brought in completely new staff, you know, literally, or what are we now? The first game was less than, than uh, two and a half months before the start of the World Cup. And so there's new new systems, new, new way of speaking, new way of doing things, new training. And, and the whole team is just not gelling. And that's understandable. So Eddie, while Eddie is talking about this World Cup, he's got his eyes really on the World Cup in Australia. The second part of that is the the, the, the three-quarter line he's been picking with Quade Cooper at 10 uh, and Nick White at, at scrum half, you know, that, and, and then he had Hodge at 12. All these guys are in their 30s and they're well past their prime. The problem they've got is he doesn't believe they've got anyone else. So the, the selection of Carter Gordon... At 10, I think he's a massive, massive step. He's, um, he's a really exciting young player. He's quite slight. And is he ready for top-flight international rugby? And not just ready, but to lead Australia to a win in top-flight international rugby. That, that's, a, that's a very big question. It's changed the three-quarter line. And again, Adrian, I'll come back to your point. I don't think he had any choice. The three-quarter lines that he's been putting out just have not been at international standard. There's no way to say it. So, and, and to give you, your, your listeners, you know, just how far Australian rugby's fallen, uh, that three-quarter line would not be selected in any of the Six Nations teams, perhaps Italy, and then even maybe not Italy with the 10. That, now, if you, if 20 years ago, you know, when Australia had Gregan, uh, Steuben Larkin, uh, uh, you, you had Sterling Mortlock at outside centre. You had Matt Ghetto at inside centre. You had you had uh, um, Latham at fullback. You know th- this was a these were great Australian backlines with great players, some of the best in the world. And the quality of the player being produced in Australia for a long time now 
but but particularly at the moment has just dried up. Mm. And Eddie is paying that price, but it is not the national coach's problem. It is the system below the national coach in Australia, just as it is the system in Ireland that is producing such great players where Ireland are now ranked number one. Now, that, that, that is the reason I'll rank number one because they've got a great system and a great coaching staff at the top of that system. But Australia are really struggling with both at the moment. Well, Matt, where does that leave them then at the minute? Like, momentum is everything in sport. Lost to South Africa, lost to Argentina. Coming up against the All Blacks now, you know, it, it's incredibly difficult to get any momentum going for the World Cup. You're oh, getting these type of losses. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And that's... Uh, and as you said, it's a sh- much shortened championship. You don't have six games, and we usually have a seventh because they usually play New Zealand three times in the year for the Bledisloe. That's the normal agreement uh, outside of a, a World Cup. So, it's, you know, Eddie's got very few games. I know they've got one other warm-up game, but he is making he, – he's giving people time, so, and he's got to do that. Every other team in the championship, with the exception of New Zealand this week, is doing that. New Zealand have selected their best side, in my opinion, and it's a great New Zealand side, not a good one, a great New Zealand side. With Richie Mulga, Tim Barrett at fullback, I, I was very surprised that, that McKenzie wasn't on the bench. I'm not sure if he's injured, but that that is a very, very good New Zealand side. Great pack, great three-quarter line, lethal back three, and they're getting lots of cohesion. Now, they're in a different scenario because they have to play France in game one of the World Cup. So usually at the World Cup, that first game's of a damn squib, you know, it's the, it's the host nation against someone and it's usually a lopsided game. That's going to be one of the great games of the championship, game one, and whoever wins that will top their pools. France versus New Zealand in Paris, first opening match, that's a brilliant game. So New Zealand have to be ready to be at their peak for that. Australia and Ireland and most of the other countries don't. They've got two games leading in to the World Cup to pick it up. So Australia's got a little bit of time, but look, I, I just, I try, always try and say what I, what evidence so when I speak to you, I try and say, what evidence can I bring to back up an argument? And I've got no evidence that Australia are going to, are going to go any further than the quarterfinals. Yeah. Uh, it is certainly hard to make a case. Otherwise, it's been uh, entertaining, I think, to listen to Eddie as well in the uh, press during the week. He's, uh, in terms of the backed into a corner bit, given it full, uh, both barrels, um, talking about how New Zealand sinks when they lose a rugby match. The whole country, the economy goes down. He even managed a little pop of the New Zealand rugby riders, fans with keyboards. Uh, this is classic Eddie Jones territory. Yeah, yeah, it is, isn't it? Uh, it? It often helps when you've got someone to back it up on the field, I find. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, on that, Matt, I was having a look at it last night, just on your point there, just in terms of uh, trying to make a case. Like, you know, you mentioned, obviously, the first-time starter at 10. They have 11 players in the starting 15 with under 30 caps, including six of them with 10 caps or less. Like it's not yeah. as Stuart Lancaster always talks about sort of the cap profile of a team and how you're trying to manage that at some sort of a medium level as you go. It's uh, it's extraordinary. It's really hard. I mean, I I presume that Wales and Fiji are uh, are looking at all this, licking their chops. Yeah, look, I think Australia are very fortunate with a draw at the World Cup. I think they're in a very uh, a much easier draw than Ireland. You know, Ireland are in the hardest draw by a considerable point, considerable margin. Tonga will be a very difficult team at this World Cup that, that are in Ireland Pool because of the new laws uh, where players that have played for Australia or New Zealand um, or France or any other country, after if you're not selected for three years, you can go back and play from the country uh, uh, of, of your heritage. So uh, they have picked up a lot of former Wallabies and uh, 
including Israel Folau and and, and uh, New Zealand players. So they're going to be a very physical side. You know, Wales, I think, uh, are very weak at the moment. And I've got to say that. I thought Wales were terrible during the Six Nations. And I see, you know, nothing that's going to say anything different. Um, I'm not suggesting that Australia are going to walk over them by 50, but, you know, that they are not a strong side. Uh, and I, I think they'll have enough for the Fijians. So they've got a very easy or uh, easier pool than, than just about anyone else. So they'll and, and let's say they lose the Wales, I, I suspect they'll finish in the top two. I, I can't see Australia missing the top two, okay. but I also can't see them. They'll then pull England or Argentina, and you know again that side of the pool is much weaker. They should have beaten Argentina even playing terribly as they were mm-hmm. last week. They should have beaten them, and then they should have. They can beat England. Although the, the the physicality and the size of the English forwards, they always struggle with the, the Wallabies. So if they pull um, the, the the Pumas in a quarter, they've got a hope of making the semi. So that side of the draw has a much easier run to a semi final than than uh, the the Irish side of the pool. You know, like two of the top four teams in the world are not going to make the semis. That's just the fact um, because of the way the, the the vagaries of the draw. But Australia have an easy one. But but if we, if we come back. To your point, teams only win World Cups with an average above 30 caps across the team. Across the team. That's that's a that's an right. historical fact. And it's something that Eddie's often quoted. And again, I, I don't blame Eddie for this. He's only been in there. Australian rugby has been, uh, as I've often said on your show and I've often written in the Irish Times, and it gives me no joy because I, I owe Australian rugby because it produced me. I came through a fabulous system as player and coach. And, and it helped me enormously. And I've all of us have had to watch that system deteriorate and actively be dismantled by the people who were running Australian rugby across the last two decades. It's it's one of the great sporting, um, you know, I don't know if I like to say tragedies because, you know, that's, you know sport doesn't have tragedies, but it's one, it's one of the great sporting failures of, of this century is what's happened in Australian rugby. And, and also the fact that people were living in denial for so long about what was happening in the men's 15-a-side game. Other aspects of the game have really grown in Australia. Sevens, our women's program have really grown. But the men's 15-a-side game, particularly in Sydney, which is the heartland, mm. has dropped in numbers and, and quality, as has our coaching. Our coaching used to be world-class, top leaders in the world. You talk to some of the players who aren't Australian that go to Australia now, and they are shocked at the standard of coaching they're receiving at the uh, provincial level, like at the Waratahs of the Force and the Reds. They are shocked compared to where they've come from. All that is self-inflicted wounds. Uh, it, it gives me no joy, in it, and I feel quite sad saying that. And I can't. Uh, we, we've got some really good leadership there at the moment. Phil War just been appointed CEO, and that's been a big problem: is our leadership in the boardroom. Not our, not, everyone's blaming the coaches, a series of well-being. It's not, this is not a coaching problem. This is an administrative problem about how we are running the game and how we are coaching the game on, on the aspects below, uh, below the Wallabies. We used to have a philosophy of play, how we played the game. I was brought up on that philosophy of play. And, and Ireland, I was begging Ireland to have a philosophy of play for the last 20 years, and they've got it. And they brought, and, and Andy Farrell's undying credit and he has revolutionised Irish international rugby because he adopted a philosophy play that was Leinster's. So now we've got a philosophy of play that starts at the schools and moves all the way through to the national team. A philosophy of play is it from the bottom up, as Leinster's 
as Leicester is, is from the ground up. And you can see Munster starting to play that style of rugby now. Munster in their run to, to win the, the uh, ERC started to play that style. So we're starting to see that spread right across Ireland and that pinnacles out into a national team. Now, I heard you talking about your, the GAA football final you know, on, on, uh, on the weekend. Same sort of thing where you're getting the, these two great uh, uh, teams that have a way of playing. So it's not just a rugby thing. This is a sporting thing across the world. It, it, it could even be a, an educational thing in mathematics, how you have a, a syllabus that starts and grows as you move up, up through the years. It's exactly the same. And Australia has walked away from being the leaders in the world on that, which is it's pretty extraordinary statement, isn't it? Pretty yeah. extraordinary. Something that Irish soccer, actually, as you talk, it's uh, got a lot of parallels there. They need something to, need to get their head around. Not to further annoy you here, Matt, before we wrap, but uh, as Australia are going that direction, New Zealand are very much headed in the opposite direction. What's your sense of, like, I mean, there was obviously all the chat about Ian Foster and the succession plans in place now. I mean, I don't know, are people suddenly regretting that? Or is this, um, he seems to be getting a serious tune out of them. Have they improved... Um, in terms of your overall thoughts around their outlook for the World Cup over the last few weeks, or what's your sense of what's going on over the Tasman? Well, they, if you, uh, I've said to everyone, if you're having a break from rugby before the World Cup, do yourself a favour and watch the first 20 minutes of New Zealand versus South Africa and watch the team in black. It's some of the best rugby you'll ever see in your life. They were scintillating, absolutely scintillating. Um, it was just a pleasure to watch, and when the game is played like that, it's so entertaining. Like, it was just brilliant to watch. Um, and, and they're playing great rugby. I mean, again, that's not good news for Ireland uh, because you, you're looking at who's the worst team in the Ireland side of South Africa. My goodness. And, you know, like, how can you say they're the worst team? They're, they're still a great side. They put 40 points on the Wallabies. But New Zealand were brilliant. Uh, it's hard to, to lay your finger on you know, You know what I... I I do think, Adrian, that he, Foster, this is Ian Foster, was subject to, to the worst attack I've ever seen on a coach in any sport. And it was disgraceful. Um, New Zealand, the New Zealand media should hang their head in disgrace, as should the, the New Zealand CEO and who did not back their coach or their board. And he was vilified in a way no sports person should be. He did nothing wrong except his team lost. And I think he just said, oh, I don't want it. I can't put up with this. I don't want well, I, This isn't worth it. And you know what? I think he's happy with that. And I think he's relaxed. And I think that's come across into the team. He knows the end point. He, and he's going to say, I'm going to enjoy this World Cup. I've been the all-black coach. I'm getting out now. I don't have to put up with this rubbish anymore. And Robbo is a great coach. Uh, Scotty Robinson is coming in. Fantastic guy. Great coach. So their, their succession plan is great. But I think there is a, a much more relaxed air amongst the team. They are precise in what they're doing. They've got a good plan and th they are settled into their ways. Now, remember, they sacked the, the New Zealand side, did get rid of Plumtree was their forwards coach and, you know, they, they got rid of three of their assistant coaches and they brought in three other very good coaches, uh, Jason Ryan running the forwards from the Crusaders as one. And that took, took a while to bet in, but it has bedded in, mate. And they're, they're, if they play like that, against Australia at the MCG, uh, you know, you, you can't see anything. You, you can see 50 points coming, and that's really sad for the Wallabies in Australia. But unfortunately, unless something happens that I, that I can't see, I, you know, 50 points would not be a shock to me. 
I normally uh, end these pieces with uh, enjoy the games. I'm not sure that's hugely appropriate, Matt, but uh, <laughs> we will catch up with you down the track. Thanks a million for that. Pleasure, guys. Good to see you. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball.